My name is Scott Raines. I'm one of the pastors here. It is so good to be worshiping with you. If, if your summer is going anything like mine, sometimes you find yourself wondering, am I coming or am I going? Am I supposed to stay or am I supposed to go? It's just, it's awesome, but it's hard to have kind of a regular rhythm or routine. Uh, at least that's been my experience. So one of the things that I realize I miss when, when I'm gone for a weekend is just looking out at your lovely smiling faces. Oh, you guys, I miss you. Anyway, it's good to, to be together. And I'm serious. I was talking with someone this week who has not been able to be here for worship for several months because of health issues. And they wanted to be sure that, that I understood and communicated to all of you. Apart from my very humorous and insightful and life-changing messages, one of the things they really, really miss about uh, what's going on in their life is just being here, being with you in community, the encouragement, the love, and the support that you feel. There's something really important that happens when we gather together for worship on, on a regular basis. And so a lot of people have found this to be their spiritual home. And, and I mean that in the best sense of the term. Uh, some of you are maybe new to Hope, checking us out, maybe visiting Hope for the very first time. If that's you, we just want to say we're so glad that you are here. And you could not have picked a better weekend to be here. Last weekend, we started a brand new message series called The Heart of Hope. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to Pastor Mike's message last weekend, I'd really encourage you to go online. Uh, you can watch it there. You can download the podcast. But, you know, Mike's been around from the very beginning, so he has a real unique perspective on what God has been up to over the last 25 years, but also where's God taking us in the next 25 or 50 or 100 years long after any of us are even around anymore. What is God going to be up to at Hope? And so we're looking at our mission and our vision and our core values and how do we continually set our sails to the wind of God's Spirit so that we can go where God is sending us. Uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today, focusing in on our mission statement. We'll put it up on the screen and let's read this out loud together. Reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. One more time. Reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. That is at the heart of who we are and, and what we are called by God to be about. The, the primary Bible passage where our mission statement uh, arises is out of the Great Commission. At the end of Matthew chapter 28, one of the final things that Jesus has to say to his disciples before he ascends back to his, his Father in heaven, Jesus says, I want you to go and make disciples of all the nations. It's almost like you could say, summarize the last thing that Jesus says to his disciples. He says, I want you to go and tell. I want you to go and tell. That's how Matthew 28 begins. At the beginning of Matthew 28, there's a, a different imperative, a different command, and that's where I want us to uh, begin today. Matthew 28 it, it begins with Easter Sunday, and there are some women who are on their way to Jesus' tomb. They're scared. Uh, they're confused, discouraged, their faith is on shaky ground because they've just uh, lost someone that they loved, someone that they thought was going to change everything for them. They're on their way to the tomb to uh, do sort of the ceremonial cus customs uh, around uh, death in that, that culture, but when they arrive at the tomb, there's an angel sitting on the stone and the stone has been rolled away, and this is part of what the angel says to these women. Let's read this out loud together. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. 
Come see where his body was lying. Come and see is this phrase that shows up not just here at the beginning of Matthew 28, but in multiple places uh, throughout Jesus' ministry. Uh, early on, he, he's uh, seen by some of John the Baptist's disciples, and they have some questions for Jesus, and Jesus does not answer their, their questions. Instead, he simply says, come and see. Now, there's a guy named Philip that Jesus asks to be one of his disciples. And Philip goes to his brother, Nathaniel, and says, Nathaniel, you've got to come and see Jesus. Just check out that he could be the one that we've been waiting for. Think about times when people are going through, I don't know, they're weary, they're tired, they're carrying heavy burdens. What's Jesus' word to people in those kinds? Come to me, Jesus says, and I will give you rest. When people are annoyed by children, when children are getting in the way, no one would ever be annoyed by children. We are so glad. Sit in the front row and play every time. That's great. When, when people think children are distractions and children shouldn't be around, Jesus has a completely different message for them. Let the little children come to me. And so part of what we see when, when we start talking about being people who are following Jesus, being disciples of Jesus, what, what is this Christian faith all about? The starting place is this warm and welcoming, gentle kind of invitational response from Jesus. Now, part of what's interesting to me is just words, language. It's kind of funny, right? You can take the same words and use them in, in a completely different way. The same words can be used to have a completely different meaning. I mean, for example, if I said, it's so glad to see you here today, Hope Ankeny, we need to have a come to Jesus meeting. Would that sound like a warm and welcoming invitation? No, it sounds like a threat. There's like this undertone of ultimatum when we use this language of come to Jesus meeting, like you better change or else. That's not what the original come to Jesus meeting was. Come and see. Come and see. Come and experience this life that Jesus is inviting us to be a part of. So part of what this language entails, and you, and you see it with what the angels are saying to the women in Matthew 28, come see the place where he is lying. It's like faith is always moving. But oftentimes for people, the beginning place to faith is what other people have told you about faith, about God, about Jesus. And that's a good starting place, but at some time a shift has to take place where you come and see and experience for yourself. What do you believe to be true? about faith, about God, about Jesus. The angel says to the women, I want you to go and see the empty tomb so you can see it with your own eyes. You can experience for yourself what this faith is all about and what's happening with Jesus. Come and see. Come and see. It's about personal experience. Now, now sometimes, if we're going to be honest, sometimes the personal experience that people have in, in terms of faith is what keeps them away from Jesus. Uh, usually this time of year, it's uh, wedding season for me. Uh, this last weekend, it was funeral season for me. On Friday, I uh, did a funeral for a, a guy named Lowell, who I've known for a couple of years now. Uh, Lowell lived in Altoona, uh, and when he was 18 years old, he lost his eyesight. And then in the last several years, he's uh, contracted a, a terminal illness. And so, I don't know if he's listening to my podcasts or, or what, but he called me up and wanted to meet with me. We met a couple of times, and just a great guy, always thinking, asking great questions, exploring and curious. And uh, one time during the season of Advent, getting close to Christmas, Lowell sent me a note, and he had, he had created a uh, Braille version of Psalm 23, and he just wanted me to know that he was thinking of me and praying for me as I was going through the stress of Christmas. I just, what a great guy. Yesterday morning, right here in this room, uh, a bunch of people gathered uh, to celebrate the life of a woman named Lorraine. I, I hadn't known Lorraine for very long. 
just for a couple of weeks. Her, one of her sons worships here regularly, and as the treatments for Lorraine, as it was proving they were not helping, um, the family asked if I'd be willing to come down to the hospital and talk with them, and so I said, absolutely. Went downtown to, to meet with the family, and uh, Lorraine and Marvin don't necessarily have a church home, her husband Marvin, but it's not because they're not faithful people, it's because they've been enjoying retirement. In about uh, 2004, they got in their uh, RV and they've been exploring North America. And so I was taking notes because it's only like T minus 20 years for me until I get to <laughs> 20 years. Anyway, uh, it flies by. Time flies when you're having fun. Anyway, uh, I'm there and I want you to just kind of picture this. You know, any, any kind of family, when you're gathering together with them in a room, when someone is coming to the end of their life, and there are questions. And, and part of what came out in that room was some concern, like, is this, is this warm and welcome uh, response of Jesus to come and see, is that always the case? Is love always available? Is grace always free? Or is there something that I have to do first, and then I'll be welcome, then I'll be acceptable? And so I was kind of talking to the family about this, and one of the things I ended up saying was, you know, at Hope, more than half of the funerals we do are for people who are not connected to Hope in any way at all. And something changed in the atmosphere in the room when I said that. I think largely there was just a sense of relief. We, now we've got a plan. Now, but I think there was also a sense of disbelief. Like, surprise that one of the first responses of a church would be, uh, there's no rules that you need to follow, no hoops that you need to jump through first, and then we can maybe help you out. I mean, I, just kind of think about that. There are people, how many people are there in our community disconnected from church because somewhere along the line somebody told them or they, they came to believe that rules are more important than relationship, that the law matters more than love, that the initial response that you can expect from Christians, from followers of Jesus, is not, how can I help you when you are hurting? H how did we take the message of Jesus and mess it up, twist it, and distort it in such a way that sometimes when we are reaching out, it feels scary to people? This has actually been a temptation generation after generation. It's, there's nothing new. Paul writing to the early church in the book of Galatians, here's part of what he writes, when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there's no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. What matters most? It's not tradition or rules or customs. What matters most, according to Paul, faith expressing itself in love. And so many people in Jesus' day, so many people in our day, have had a very different experience. They've been pointed to these sort of external realities, man-made rules, and no, this is what matters most. That was the religious world that Jesus entered, and so he was trying to start something new, trying to help people see a whole different way of thinking about God and living out a life of faith. And he understood there was nothing he could actually do or say to convince people it would just take time. So he would just give this invitation, come and see. Just check it out for yourself. And when we talk about our mission at Hope to reach out to the world around us, the starting place, the language we'd like you to use, and if you stick around Hope for a long time, you'll hear this language on a pretty regular basis. Just come and see. Hopefully part of what that means is you have a story that you can tell about how when you came and, and you saw what God was up to here, there was something different about it. 
Something clicked for you in a way that made you say, this is my home, this is where I want to be, this is where my faith can grow and be challenged and stretched and where I can serve. Hopefully you have that kind of a story, and so all you can say to people, you know, I can tell you what happened to me, but I can't prove it to you, I can't, I can't t- guarantee that that's going to be your experience, but I can just say, come and see, come and see, come and see. This is the starting place when it comes to carrying out our mission. That, that's the language that gets used at the beginning of Matthew 28. The language that gets used at the end of Matthew 28 is go and tell. Jesus has been with his disciples for three years. Uh, they've been getting filled up with God's love. They've been understanding grace in, in new ways. And now Jesus is like, I want you to take what you've experienced and go share it with the world around you. Go and tell. Reach out to the world around you. Let them see there's a, a new way of thinking about God a different way of thinking about how to be a faith community. Uh, Ferdinand the bull is a different kind of bull. He's not a fighting bull. He's a flower-loving bull. And so his father is killed in in the arena, and he grows up as an orphan on this farm uh, run by Juan and his uh, daughter, Nina. And Ferdinand just loves it. He loves doing the chores around the farm. He loves the other animals that are there. Especially he loves the flowers. And going to the flower festival every year is a highlight of his bull life. And then Juan says in his wisdom, you can't come because other people don't know you the way we know you. They're going to be scared of you. And initially Ferdinand says, okay, I'll stay. But eventually he goes and it goes awfully. He gets stung by a bee and in the pain of that sting, he's running around the town just tearing everything up, you know, running through china shops and just everything's breaking and people are freaking out. Finally, they corral him. They put him in a trailer and they're sending him to Casa del Toro where they're going to train him uh, to fight in, in the bull ring. When he figures out this is what's happening, he starts to freak out in the trailer. And so they have to send in some help in the form of a calming goat. Take a look. Oh no, no, not back here. No, 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 this can't be happening. We need to get out of here. Stop the truck, stop the truck, there's been a mistake. Stop the truck. Hey, he's going to tear that truck apart. What did I tell you, Senor Moreno? He's a beast. Get the calming goat. Where's the calming goat? Jeez Louise, real classy, guys. Way to treat a lady. Who's that? Hey, big guy, name's Lupe. I'm gonna be your calming goat. My calming goat? That's right, I'm here to soothe you now so you can maim and gore things later. Let's try some deep, relaxing breaths. In, out, in, out. You're not helping. Oh, yeah? Well, maybe you're not helping. You ever think of that? No, because no one ever wants to help the stinking calming goat, right? Okay, now I gotta calm myself down. I need to get out. They send in the calming goat to help Ferdinand, but did you hear what he says? You're not helping. And I think sometimes as it comes to the mission of the church, we're called to be sent out into the world, and sometimes the the response of people is, you're not actually helping. You're making things worse. And so here's kind of the way it's supposed to work. We get the initial invitation from Jesus, come and see, and as we follow Jesus, 
It fills us with his love. It fills us with grace and, and a new understanding of how life and relationships work. As it fills us up, it starts to flow out of us. And we go and we tell others about our experience. And, and essentially, we invite them also to come and see. And so there's this constant movement. This is the rhythm. This is the way it's, it's supposed to work. But for all kinds of reasons, there's a lot of fear for a lot of Christians around the go and tell part. Like maybe we feel ill-equipped or underprepared, or, or maybe we've had an experience where someone was going and telling us about this great news of Jesus, but it didn't feel like good news. It felt like they were heaping loads of guilt and shame on us, and we don't want to do that to anybody else. So, so a lot of times it's easy for us to just kind of get stuck in the come and see place, because that feels good. And it's not scary, and it's comfortable. But when we stay in one place, the rhythm gets messed up, and that's not a good thing. I mean, one of the things we say around hope on a pretty regular basis is God is on the move. God's on the move, and that's absolutely true. The rest of the story is God's calling us to be a church that's on the move. Like, built into the DNA of who we are is this idea of being sent and, and going and reaching out. Let's talk about this idea of being sent for a little bit by looking at some examples in Scripture of people who are sent. You go all the way back to the beginning. Adam actually gets sent out of the Garden of Eden. God sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. Way back in the beginning is this idea of, of being sent. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the founding fathers of the nation of Israel, they're sent by God various times, various places. Part of what God says to Abraham, I want you to leave home. Leave everything you know, everything that's comfortable, and go to this place. Where do you want me to go? I'll just tell you. I'm, I'm just, go where I send you. Live faithfully. Uh, Joseph, remember Joseph has 12, uh, there's, he's one of 12 brothers, and his brothers are jealous of him, so they sell him into slavery in Egypt, and then several decades later, there's kind of a, a reunion, a reconnection, and it's interesting the way Joseph frames this. He doesn't talk about it in terms of his brother selling him into slavery. He talks about it in terms of being sent. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. God sends people to places on purpose for, for a reason. Uh, Moses, God wants him to go to the Pharaoh and set the people free, and Moses is resisting. He's like, I don't think I have what it takes. And besides, why would the people listen to me? They're going to say, why, why should we trust you? And so God says, here's what I want you to tell the people. Tell them I am. Tell them the Lord, Yahweh, has sent me to you. They finally make it to the promised land after the death of Moses and the death of Joshua. There's a period of time called the judges where they don't have a king and they don't have one particular leader, but occasionally uh, when you know, trouble strikes, when the enemy comes in, God will raise up a judge to help and rescue the people of Israel. People like Samson and people like Gideon. Here's the call of Gideon, one of the judges of Israel. Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. I am sending you. And it's not just men who get sent. First Samuel chapter 25, there's an interesting story. A woman named Abigail is sent to David. David gets himself in a, a bit of a pickle. And when uh, God sends Abigail to him, he says, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me today. People are getting sent by God all the time. Now, this has absolutely nothing to do with the message, but can we talk about art for a little bit? Now, you know, I'm always looking for images to use with different texts, and so I'm like Googling this encounter that Abigail and David has, and this piece of art from the 19th century shows up. Here's King David. He, 
yeah, there's no way he would dress like that. What's the artist thinking? Why? It's so interesting. Anyway, it's not interesting at all, apparently. Uh, go on to the <laughs> next slide. God is always sending people, including the prophets. Isaiah says, here I am, send me. In the New Testament, John the Baptist says, God sent me to baptize with water. Paul will talk about being sent. Uh, Timothy is sent. The Holy Spirit is sent by Jesus. I'm going back to the Father. I'm leaving, but don't worry, Jesus says. I will send the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself gets sent. Let's read this verse together. Luke 4, 43, it's on the screen. Read it out loud with me. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. This is what Jesus says. I was sent by God to go to all of these different places and preach the good news of the kingdom of God. It was this verse about 15 years ago that kind of got Hope interested in an idea called multi-site ministry. Uh, last week, Mike preached a sermon, The Day Hope Started to Grow, and he said, once hope started to grow, we haven't really stopped growing, and that's true, so much so that sometimes we run out of room. Like this week, we're going to be running out of room with Vacation Bible School here at, at Hope Ankeny, and we're going to be asking God, now what do we do? Do we do two weeks of VBS next week, uh, next year? Doesn't that sound awesome? Or build more space, or both? It's probably a little of each. Anyway, uh, when Hope was running out of room 15 years ago, they had some decisions to make. Do we buy more land? Do we buy more property and build bigger buildings? And a primary way they responded was, no, I think we probably have enough land. But what we could do is we could start sending people to other towns and sending hope to other towns and starting campuses in other towns. And as you can imagine, that was such an, a weird concept, a new concept, that there were people who thought, that sounds ridiculous. Why would we take people who are a big part of what God is doing right here, right now, and say, please leave, go away? That, that doesn't sound wise. Why would we want to divide the church? Now, thankfully, there were people in leadership who said, I think God's mathematics works a little bit differently than that. Taking a bunch of people from one congregation and sending them to start something new, uh, to plant a church, to launch a new campus, that is not dividing the church. It's multiplying the kingdom of God. I, I want you to understand this, Hope Anthony. This is going to be really important for us in the years ahead. Sending people is not dividing the church. It's multiplying the effective work of God in this world. It's a way of carrying out our mission. And my guess is we're probably going to be sending people out at some point to start something new somewhere. In fact, we're already doing some of that. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it in a little bit. So 15 years ago, back up, they decided, yeah, God's in the sending business. What if we send people to Ankeny? They prayed and prayed and prayed for a year before they figured out Ankeny was the place where God was sending people. And then there was another year of planning and training and equipping and building teams. And one of the final things that happened was they asked people, would you be willing to sign on the dotted line, I'm willing to be sent for a year for 12 months to help get this thing in Ankeny going. And about 100 people uh, signed those and said, yeah, let's go, let, let's do this thing. And so that's part of the reason why I say being sent, going, reaching out is in our DNA. If you've experienced any of God's love for you through the ministry of Hope Ankeny, if you've experienced any grace in your life through the ministry of Hope Ankeny, you have to understand part of the reason is because there were people far, far away from here in West Des Moines who said, let's send people to Ankeny. Let's send people to Ankeny. So if we're serious about the mission that we have at Hope, if we're serious about the Great Commission 
that Jesus gives to all of his followers. Part of what we have to understand is God will send us somewhere. God will send you somewhere. So here's some questions for you to talk about at lunch or, you know, whenever. Spouse, friends, small groups. Where is God sending you? Where is God sending you? Sometimes I think people have this idea that only really important people get sent. I, I'm not sure I believe that God would be sending me somewhere. Look at all those people that we talked about who got sent. They're the great men and women of faith in, in scriptures. Well, that's not true. Gideon's response, when God says, I'm sending you, Gideon says, me? I'm from the weakest clan in the least important tribe in all of Israel. Why would you send me? The disciples have pretty similar response. We're the wrong people to send. We're, we're untrained. We're uneducated. We're, we're not equipped. We're the wrong people. And, and God says, no, you're exactly who I want. I am sending you. Where's God sending you? What are the ways in which you resist being sent? I think a lot of times there's all kinds of excuses we make. Moses says, I don't know how to talk. I, you can't send me. There's all sorts of ways we resist being sent. Maybe the primary one is comfort. Do you prefer comfort over being sent? Uh, the picture on, on the screen here is from one of our seven Easter services uh, this last spring uh, where we had to put about 300 people in the room directly below us because we were out of room up here. And so we just did a survey and we asked them, are you really comfortable here in this room? No, we didn't do that. <laughs> but most of us prefer comfort we want things to stay the way that we like them. We get comfortable. We don't want anything to change. And make no mistake, if, if, if God sends us somewhere, part of what's just naturally embedded in that is God is sending us out of our comfort zone. There's going to be change. There, there's going to be all sorts of new things that we have to navigate and, and figure out. And God says, of course. That's how you grow, silly. And I'm more interested in your growth than in just having you be comfortable. So these are questions for you to come back to from time to time. Where's God sending you? Because God is always sending people. It's Jesus' great commission. Go into all the world. It's our mission. Reach out to the world around us. In the gospel of John, he ends his gospel with pretty much the same message. He just uses a little bit different language, uses the language of sending. Let's read this out loud together. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Jesus says this to his disciples. Then it says he, he breathes the Holy Spirit onto them. Peace be with you. I think sometimes we're like, I don't want to go. I don't want to reach out because what if I say the wrong thing? You know, I, don't, I don't know what to say. Jesus says, don't worry about it. I'll give you the Holy Spirit. I'll give you my peace to go with you. And if you just focus on setting your sails to the wind of the God's Spirit, God will tell you what to say, when to say it, how to say it, what kind of tone to use. God will give you the words. You don't have to worry about messing things up. God's got it under control. So go, be willing to go and share the story of what God has been up to in your life. Ferdinand the bull wants to get sent back home, but he ends up getting sent to the one place he doesn't want to go, which is the bullfighting ring. And the great champion bullfighter, El Primero, is ready to take him on. So a bunch of characters, including Lupe the calming goat, and she gets the other bulls and they break out and they're trying to rescue Ferdinand before the fight. And uh, Nina and her father, Juan, they hear that Ferdinand's going to be fighting El Primero and say, so they're trying to get there to, to make sure the fight doesn't happen, but they are too late. 
The fight begins and El Primero is winning. He takes his sword and he strikes Ferdinand on the shoulder. He draws first blood. And, and oh, Ferdinand is mad instinctually. He rises up on his haunches and he's ready to go get El Primero. And then he sees a rose on the floor of the arena. And he bends down and he smells the rose and he remembers who he is. He remembers what matters most. Watch this scene and see if you can tell what matters most. Holy moly, you've multiplied! Hey, Pac-Man! I missed you, dog. Well, I didn't miss you. Not even a little bit. The tale don't lie, brother. I have got to get that fixed. Go! 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 Can't breathe! Oh! Jeez Louise! Haven't you brutes ever heard a lady's first? Oi, you're adorable. Is this love? I love love. Let's stand together. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I pray that you would help us more and more all the time become people who love love who are filled up with your love and who are able to and willing to share that love with the world around us. Let it start in our families and, and let it kind of go from there. Uh, we pray that you would also uh, teach us your mathematics, that you would help us to understand and believe in the power of multiplication for the sake of your kingdom and for uh, reaching people who need to know, who desperately need to know, how loved they are by you. We pray for people in, in our communities who are cleaning up uh, from storms and who have questions about you and your goodness and your love because of that. And I pray uh, that, that the way that the community reaches out, the way Christians reach out, would help people know that God is with them even in the storm. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.